This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. Before we kickstart today's episode, I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the Vauxhall ELCV range. If you don't know what I'm referring to, it is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van, with an electric range of up to 261 miles, and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you are already thinking of making the leap to an all-electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today, Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport, the record book. Well, that was a bad tackle. <laughs> you ready? Oh, so, so. Keep this in. Keep this in. This is how this this podcast gets made. Um, I just I'm, hello. I'm Danny Kelly. I just said, please turn off the American football, um, which we're, is on my because I will be distracted by it. Will you? So we did. Fall asleep. You watch that. And then some other football match came up between Toulouse and Olympic Marseille, which no one's got any interest in. Ooh. And suddenly, Paul Parker, one of my guests this evening, is immediately um, absolutely drilled onto the television. The record book. Welcome to uh, the Game Day Record Book Podcast. The award-winning number of people downloading it tells me already know what we're doing. Today, alongside me, Danny Kelly, um, I've got the former Manchester United, England, Fulham, one or two others, um, centre-back, full-back, ring-back legend that is Paul Parker. Hi, Paul. Hi there, Dan. Now, just put one hand over the side of your eye. That way you won't have to look at that football match anymore. (laughs) There you go. Face the other way. They're showing an advert for hairdressing there. You do much better. We don't need that. We don't need that either. Alongside him, I'm delighted to say, regular on this uh, podcast, indeed, let's be honest, um, one of the absolute heartbeats of the programme, Tom Rennie. Hello, Tom. How are you? I'm doing very well. Delighted to be called the heartbeat of the programme. Well, I think you are. Such a lovely compliment. It is. Does that mean last week's show wasn't very good without me? Is that what you're saying? It stunk the place out. Awful. I mean, I know. I know it's going to win awards and all the rest yeah. of it, but without you, it was really, really poor. Just send the ones I'm in to the uh, the awards the, the judging. Panel. Yeah, the panel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've done a few and you haven't been, so that means mine are going to get bin then. Swiftly moving on. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with our performance of the week. I think we know this. We do performance of the week, worst performance of the week, hero of the week, and villain of the week. And then don't forget, we also do the appendix. And some, I have to say, the appendix, which is like a 15, 20 minute add-on, as the name suggests, um, it is. Magnificent, and all of the weird and wonderful stuff that happens in the world of football um, and beyond gets put into that. So listen to the main uh, Game Day Record Book podcast, and then a couple of days later, you'll see it advertised on our Twitter feeds. Get hold of the appendix, because it's fantastic. And this week's one, I believe, may be the best ever. May, in fact, I'm going to say maybe the best ever podcast ever. It will certainly rev your engines unless you play for Antonio Conte. <laughs> 
Middlesbrough starting the second half much as they finished the first looking bright, lively and dangerous. Norrie has the ball in a crossing position on the right-hand side, tossed in towards Harry Kane, Greenell. The players, they found some, some little help in, in, in principles of play, but then it was about them and that's why I'm very happy for them. Uh, and very happy with them. Robinson turns, oh, and he's found McBurney. Oh, McBurney's equalised. David De Gea couldn't keep it out. And this incredible second half takes another dramatic twist. City have turned a deficit into an advantage. They've turned the game on its head. And it's now 2-1 to the home team. And Pep Guardiola, even Pep Guardiola, gives Mares a clap for that. Let's, let's talk about our performance. We're going to start with um, with you, Tom, because you've been away from us for a few weeks, and uh, because you're going to pick a uh, well, what a, a little known team that's uh, just trying to make its way in the world of professional football. Yeah, I've, it was tough this week actually because there were some some great performances uh, across the league, really. Uh, but I've got to say that I thought Tottenham Hotspur's performance against West Ham until about the 61st minute was very, very good. And I've watched a lot of Tottenham this season, as, as you have as well, and many people listening out there have. And what's been missing is basic organisation, clear direction in the play, and I would say application from the players at the top of the field that need to close down the opposition. Um, and my hero of the week also comes from this team as well, and we'll talk about that later. But I would say that Tottenham Hotspur, under Jose Mourinho, and, and maybe this is actually a criticism of the players not doing it for Pochettino in the last few weeks, but they looked like a team with direction. They looked like a side, which is what they are, which is Champions League finalists. We saw the basic change that he made. The fullbacks did not maraud. They stayed back like Mourinho's fullbacks do. The goalkeeper did not dribble about with it in his six-yard box. He belted it forward for Harry Kane to fight for it. Yeah. And uh, also the running stats were up, which tells you what. But Paul, let me ask you a question: Can Spurs really be performance of the week when it's against that West Ham team? No, they can't. <laughs> They can't. And it's not so much about West Ham. It's the fact of it was the first game with a different manager. How many teams have actually kidded supporters into believing that things are going to change with a new manager within the first game? Let's wait and see what happens with the second, third and fourth game. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you Jose Mourinho is back? He was a real bugbear of your life during the United days, wasn't he? Minus one. <laughs> you d- you minus don't think one. he's an adornment to the Premier League? Um... A I'm decoration, ta- can I take a, a bauble, a bagatelle. Do you know what no. has annoyed me a bit about Mourinho this week is the sheer amount of sycophancy there is to Jose Mourinho. Look, we all know, you know, I keep hearing, oh, he's box office, he's box office. It's like everyone forgot the final seven months at Manchester United, uh, which you wouldn't have watched on Freeview when you were at home with to, two broken I, legs, only one channel to watch. You I still wouldn't say, have watched as that. As a Spurs fan, I have to say, uh, you know, the new manager comes in, I would expect at some stage to get, you know, 20 minutes with them to you know, distinguish broadcast like myself. The way I've talked about Mourinho for the last four years, I've, I think I might be waiting for that face-to-face <laughs> interview. I've got to be absolutely honest with you. What was great about the performance against West Ham, though, and of course we'll talk about West Ham, who were awful this week, but they went into a game that where West Ham traditionally raised their game. Even when they're awful, they somehow pull something out the bag against Tottenham Hotspur. This time they were unable to do so. I thought Tottenham swarmed around West Ham when they tried to play the ball out. I thought defensively, though West Ham, again, were poor. It was only one time in 90 minutes, including the two goals they scored at the back end of the game, where they got in behind the back line. And even then, what you saw was players sprinting back. And it's it's funny, you don't realise people aren't sprinting until suddenly someone sprints and you go... Was well, very fast, isn't he? I thought. I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, Mourinho said it, I agreed when it was three nil. 
I didn't see West Ham's comeback. In fact, I absolutely saw more Spurs goals. Uh, I thought this is going to be four or five now. Three nil flat at West Ham. But then again, it doesn't help when every single shot is up against a goalkeeper who doesn't understand the concept of the save. You know, what can you do? Well, at least he was between the posts, unlike at least one goalkeeper that we'll come on to in the course of the podcast. Paul, you've been working on the team who had your performance of the week this weekend. Yes, Sheffield United. And to be honest, at this moment in time, if you ask me performance of the season so far, performances, I would give it to that they team. They conceded Sheffield three goals at home, Paul. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They conceded three goals and they're still, they were at point... The, the best in the league up until that game, but defensively, for, yeah, yeah, defensively. But it's not; they're not negative. They're not kind of Mourinho-like defensively. They don't bring a bus with them. They play it and they use it as a springboard to go forward. They've got centre halves who underlap, overlap. They go forward. Basham was going forward so many times today, as a, and it's to ask the question of the people to forward up against them. Are you going to track back with me, Paul? I couldn't. I couldn't disagree with one word. I think they've been amazing, mm. yeah, but they should. But they shouldn't be amazing because we knew what they were going to do because they've done it in two leagues already. What does it say about the Premier League that a group of players? I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time a group of players came into the Premier League with no Premier League experience and did this. Millwall. Under George Graham, yeah. it's a long time ago. Was that Teddy Sheringham? Sheringham that and Cascarino up front. That, they were 18... top in October. I played were... against... That was, um, no, that, no, that was October 88... No, yep. sorry, not October. That was 89... 88-89 season, I'm sure, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and no, 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 I've got that wrong there, sorry. 87... 88. What day of the week was it? What were you wearing? All I know is that... It was on a plastic pitch. It was my first season at Queen's Park Rangers. All I know is that by the end of October, Millwall were top of the table, and I think they went down after that. Well, this is what's interesting. Uh, There was two teams actually came to mind when it came to uh, how good Sheffield United have been. I know I'll get loads of us, as you did on TalkSport on Sunday night, people annoyed that we haven't said Sheffield United are world beaters and the media down in that London are going to be... Slagging off Sheffield United when they should We're be saying not. how good they We're are, not which we are not. Are. Which we correct, are not doing. Correct. Nobody's doing. We are praising them massively. However, Blackpool in 2006 had a very mm-hmm. similar start to the season. We talked about them being a breath of fresh air, one of my least favourite cliches. And mm. they had players like Charlie Adam, Jason Yaw was in the team, Gary Taylor Fletcher. They had no structure they though, did they? They just played. Though true. They played. They played absolute car crash football. It was erratic football. But Sheffield United are the opposite. They're all structure. However, though they're all structure, they are getting results we didn't expect them to get, as Blackpool did, as Ipswich did, when they finished fifth year after what happened, relegation. What's going to be interesting about Sheffield United is what happens when they start losing games despite the fact they're doing everything they're doing now, which is all correct. What do they do then? So you're you're talking about their next game now after what happened to them today? I'm talking about the next six to eight months of what Mm. happens with Sheffield United. That's going to be really interesting. I think I just think they've got such a strong underbelly. I don't think they've got any problems at all. I've, I'm not. I'm not seeing enough there to suggest that they're going to have massive problems. Tom, they've already got a, you know a vast number of the points they're going to need to avoid relegation, yeah. and they didn't come in here just to avoid relegation, um, which will relax them. I think these teams fall away because there's always that fear that you're going to go straight back where the you came from. The only other team that did that was Wolves. But Wolves done it in a different fashion, yeah, didn't I was they? going to say, the Wolves Wolves come out of a division with no Premier League experience, but they bought World Cup players, you yeah. know. They bought players with 100 caps for Portugal. 30 million pound striker, etc. Yeah. yeah, it's different. My performance of the week, and uh, I know um, I'm already going to get grief for this from uh, Tom, but uh, I thought Manchester City were fantastic against Chelsea. It was a good game, really good game, I thought. High-level game. And people come out, Chelsea had the majority of the possession. In fact, it was Manchester City, Pep's lowest ever um, possession stat um, for a game ever, I think I'm right in saying, at any club. 
um, and still Manchester City won. I'll tell you why they won. Because mm. in the second half, they defended in Chelsea's half and they defied Chelsea, in particular left the ball to Zuma and Timori and said, go on and pass through us. And Chelsea, because they've fallen foul of the Manchester City propaganda, no. would not belt the ball forward. They wouldn't pass it wide either. That's not true. That is not true. I, I, I appreciate you watched the game. Yeah. I was doing the commentary of the game and I'll tell you why City won that. Because Frank Lampard brought on Mishi Batshuayi, who doesn't understand the offside rule. And I understand they pushed quite up the field, but they did do a few kind of passes where they tried to sucker them in. But then after four or five passes, they did look long. And when it was Tammy Abraham, he wins it in the first half, he turns round, he starts attacks. When he took Tammy off, the big mistake Frank Lampard made was to not bring on Olivier Giroud. Because Olivier Giroud could have brought the ball down and brought people into play. They were trying to go long, I but in the crucial did. moments of the game, that final 20 minutes, they brought on a guy who had an absolute if stinker. If you're going to go long, why don't you play two people up front? I'll tell you for why. It's golf, isn't it? Professional golfers will tell you, if you have to play a 200-yard shot, whatever the, the, the big shot is, if you're going to be a professional golfer... Do you play a lot of golf? Um, I have played golf right, okay. really badly, um, and I'll tell you a story, but I ended up with a full-scale row with my coach on air now on a radio station. In golf, if you can hit the ball 99 times out of 100 within seven degrees of what you're aiming for, seven mm. degrees either way, it's quite a big... You'll be a professional golfer. If you have one player up front, you can't play long. Not successfully, not no. really. It's, it requires too much accuracy. If you have two, you're covering half the pitch. And you can play a, a lovely long pass or just, forgive me, forgive me, Pep, belt it forward and let them fight for the ball. I would, I would have brought Giroud on, but taken off a midfield player yeah. and said, come on then, we're not going to play the whole game to match what Manchester City won. I, I thought Man they were a brilliant City at it. Manchester City were utterly outplayed in the first half and were fortuitous to be, or were very lucky, let's do English properly, they were very lucky uh, to be leading at half-time. Well, they were muchly fortuitous, yeah. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, I wouldn't say that and couldn't. Uh, but I would say that, that Kevin De Bruyne's goal was very, very lucky. Riyad Mahrez, it's a lovely bit of skill and I'm very pleased for him because he's had a bad time at City and, and not played the games he wanted to. But there's two Defenders there that give him a lot of space to do whatever he wants. And I think they maybe forgot. Hang on, you're ar you're arguing for Tottenham being performance of the week despite West Ham's uh, weaknesses, and now you're saying that City can't be because defenders give people space. Tottenham played a lot better than Manchester yeah, City in their didn't game. Didn't Man City earn the right to win? Didn't those they they wore those Morris? They wore no. them down. No, they didn't because sometimes that happens. This time it didn't happen because they didn't have the majority of the ball for the first time. What was it you said? The first time since ever, Guardiola. Ever. The in, first... in his entire club yes. management career, but they might... didn't have the majority of the but ball. But it might be a method in the man. It's keep the, well, keep he was the ball Barcelona for a long yeah, time. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, he's yeah, had some good keep teams, the ball he? away from his poor back four. Mostly that was the idea. Mm. Keep it in their half. That ain't a bad way I thought, defense. I thought they were great. Um, well, not great. Very, very good. I'm not backing down. I'm going to say Manchester City is my performance of the week. You were backing down on yours? Yeah, I am actually, because I don't oh. want to give Tottenham any kind of uh, awards in this program. I refuse. Though I did think they were good. I think Sheffield United have to win this. I really do. Yeah, I make you right as well. <laughs> I, I'm I very happy with Sheffield. I'm very happy with Sheffield United to mm. win. Um, you, 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 you are allowed to jump in here, Paul, no, and I disagree. Am, no, no, but Tom was going. When Tom's going strong, I like to let him keep going because I, I quite enjoy listening to you him like, sometimes. You like to watch me, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Interesting. We're Doesn't he just remind you of one of those very fast wingers who gets the, who runs the length of the pitch at massive speed and doesn't know what to do at the end? I'm basically a Dama Traore of last season. That's what I am. Just <laughs> like a fatter version of Dama Traore. He's in the Spanish squad now. Can you believe it? What a fantastic turnaround. I'm not that Dama Traore. Next up, worst performance. Golfing class is not 
as evident. Here's Moussey, though. As I say that, Moussey shoots and he finds the corner. Double the trouble for Manchester United. It's uh, mixed emotions, uh, emotional roller coaster. First 70 minutes is not good enough, we know that. And it falls to the feet of Srebreni. Srebreni into the back of the net. The substitute has scored for Norwich. We didn't uh, do the enough to, to win the game. We have to be to be clear, to be honest what we are seeing just in this way. Less than 20 minutes to go at the Emirates. Ward-Prowse saved. Ward-Prowse follows up the rebound and scores. And Southampton are back in front. That three points, they, they, they were very important. And uh, we lost that opportunity. Yeah, time for the worst performance now here on the Game Day podcast. Let me, the Game Day Record Book podcast, let me remind you, I'm Danny Kelly. Tom Rennie is here, in case you hadn't noticed, Shy retiring. And Paul Parker, who can hardly get a word in edgeways till he loses his temper, is also here with us as well. Paul, I'll let you start this one. Thank worst you. performance. I have to say, because I know where, where your heart is as well, of course, Queen's Park Rangers and Fulham too, um, for a Manchester United player, ex-player, to pick Manchester United, it, 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 things really are bad down there, aren't they? Oh, they are very, very bad. And I still, yes, you play for a club and you do grow attached to them. And I just want United to, to do as well as possible, have a go. And if they don't win anything, but at least they've had a go, they're not having a go. It's as simple as that. And they live off the back of winning a game in Europe against poor opposition at home. Then they go and beat Brighton. Then all of a sudden everything's back on track. Sorry, when you've beaten Norwich away and you've beaten Brighton recently, but then you've gone and lost away to Bournemouth, you've still got big, big problems. And it showed today. They were awful. Absolutely awful. They had 10 minutes where they had a lot of luck, good bit of joy with young players doing them a favour. And they've managed to nick a point as far as I'm concerned. I think the biggest crime would have been today for Sheffield United to have been at Bramall Lane and come come off that pitch with nothing. It's just a shame they only come away with a point. You're the one with the coaching badges in this room. Tell me, how can a team be as inept and lethargic and just nothing uh, for the first hour of the game? How do they suddenly have that 10 minutes they did have? Because they were, they got a bit of luck as well, but they, they were fantastic for those 10 minutes. Well, it stems from the fact of they were behind and maybe there's a few words said, but one or two players click and all of a sudden they get a bit of joy and that comes from the fact of Brandon Williams scoring a great Nice goal, wasn't it? Yeah. Great body. I don't, I don't think, it, hopefully it gets talked about and a lot because the way connected, it was beautiful. The way, the there goal. was two great goals. Moussa's opener was yeah. a fantastic finish and so was Brandon Williams. It's yeah. really, really good. I'll tell you what's interesting about Man United and a lot of teams this season in the Premier League is that the most crucial thing for all teams this year is pace. Pace going forward. This is the season of pace in the Premier League, and, and that's why it's become the season of youth. Yeah. Jesse Lingard comes on. It opens Man United up. Suddenly, Rashford can get forward. Suddenly, when Mason Greenwood comes on, he can get forward. Brandon Williams can get forward. All these guys have pace. They if have you can't to go forward now, when they're two down, though, well, exactly, they? exactly. And, and they should have continued when they went 3-2 up. It's when they, when they got conservative again. That's when it all went wrong for them because they're a bunch of very good players, players with very good potential, coached by an amateur. And unfortunately, that's going to continue to be the case. And there will continue to be defenders of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But that, I thought, that performance, the reason they were losing the game in the first half, because he picked the wrong team. Credit to him. He changed it at half-time. Does he ruin him by bringing yeah, on can, Zabi? can I just say something? He didn't, he's, he's got no choice. Whoever he was going to... They haven't got anything in depth. And if even so, his good players, like Martial, has come back. 
and he hasn't shown enough appetite. When he gets taken off, he's sulking when he comes off. I said initially... Everybody not... sulks when they come off. No, though, no, they? no. Like, I always no, hear no, that. No, they always but, sulk. No, but he was sulking while the game's going on. He's got a, he's got a face that says, I'm not going to smile today. I'm, 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 he's a weird one, isn't he? Because I understood how unhappy he was when... Because he was one of the ones that Mourinho... Yeah. Uh, old Mourinho, nasty Mourinho, not lovely, now lilac-wearing Mourinho. Lovely fellow. Mourinho used to, used to throw him under the bus regularly, right? Yeah. So when he goes, he gets a second chance. Surely he should be grabbing those chances... He's in Manchester United's yeah. first team with both hands. He, 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 he hasn't grabbed it. He, and you watch United today, and I turn around and said at the start of the game, United, against Sheffield United, have to go with energy to go against them. If they don't, Sheffield United will stifle them. And Sheffield United grew into the game, controlled the game, and should have won the game. Mm. But they had, they had their worst 10 minute spell of, the Premier League, their, of their Premier League season so far, and it cost them three goals. Are Man United better now Paul Pogba is injured slash playing basketball with his friends in New York instead of, or Miami, wasn't it this week? He was playing in his jeans and his trainers. I mean, ankle hurts, but he's doing three pointers uh, for, for about half an hour on TV. I must say, Tom, would he improve things? <laughs> Um, it's say potentially on paper, yes, he will. But all the, if he, as a figure on the pitch, it's a, you have to toss a coin up in the air and see which way it lands. It most would be a double-headed one, so that means no. <laughs> At this moment, it's just no. look. Manchester United were poor, but I, I think I can top them. I really do. Sorry, Paul. I think I can. Um, look, Norwich. I've they had that one amazing performance against you know who against Manchester City, and then they've reverted to being what they are, a team that came out of the Championship and didn't make any effort to upgrade their players um, for the Premier League. And to go to Everton mm. and beat Everton 2-0 tells me, yeah, Campwell's a neat player, you know, and, they, and they, they have some stuff going on there. But essentially, Everton's expensively assembled rubbish, which is what the team is at the moment, rubbish. They are the worst performance of the week. Now, listen, here's I'm just going to say this because it's been handed to me by our ever-loving uh, producer. Marco Silva, who sets all kinds of records all the time, doesn't yeah. he, um, has lost all four of his Premier League home games against the team if, when starting as a team was bottom of the league. I mean, that takes some doing, doesn't it? That takes a variety of terrible performances. I don't, I'm not sure I blame Everton's players here. I don't know what... what they what were unlucky, Silver... though, weren't they? Weren't they unlucky in this game? They had a lot of shots, they had a lot of possession, they came up against the goalkeeper who played well and made some good saves, and this was a classic vintage away performance. Everton were pushing for, like, ten minutes, couldn't score a goal, Norwich go down the other end, and Cantwell scores with their first shot of the second half. They continue to push all the way to the end. In the 92nd minute, Norwich nick a second. Norwich did not deserve to win this game in any way. I'm not discussing way. Norwich, I'm saying. And this is why I don't think Everton are the worst performance of the week. They were the better team in the game. They just couldn't take their chances for the same reason that and Everton continued to struggle. And they find themselves defeated at home striker. with clear blue water between them and the bottom team in the league. But they still played well. No, they were still a decent before. They created 20-odd chances but in they the game. But they lost to the team at the bottom. You go and speak to an Evertonian and they will say they were rubbish. They were saying they want the manager out. They will come out and say so much negative but they even they would want to come on his show and say Everton are the worst performers. The thing is with Everton, right, and there are a few teams like this, they're a team where it's never going to work. They're a team where whatever they do, whatever they throw at the wall, it is never going to work for them for whatever reason. There is some sort of curse on the club. Maybe the Goodison Park is built on a pet cemetery, I don't know. But they are one oh, of those It's an sides. old Indian burial ground, That's I understand. Is. I know yeah. it was. Yeah, the pet cemetery is West Ham, isn't it, of course. Um, it isn't going to work for them. And so at this point, what happens if they get rid of Marco Silva now? Fair enough, Everton fans don't like him. Fine, I understand that. Have they got a decent squad of players? Yes. Yes, they have. So if they had a, if they had a manager who was better than the one they have, would they improve? 
yes, I think they would. However, the managers that are in the list potentially to replace the current manager is headed up by David Moyes. Let me just tell you the next the next four games for Everton. If you think that Marco Silva might turn this around, uh, they go to Leicester, they go to Liverpool, they're at home to Chelsea, and they go to Manchester United. It's not great, but we want to see. I want to see someone like Marco Silva given this entire season because what on earth are, are Everton going to do? You must be do? a Liverpool fan saying something like that. What? Well, David Moyes or no, Mikel Arteta? He's afraid that West Ham do? will get relegated. But he's trying to keep Everton below them. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah that is that's that's the entire of it, isn't it? Yeah, Everton needs the core of me. Everton there. need to change their manager because that might give it a new, give it a new. Um, yeah, but they've done fresh this air. a million times. No, no, Paul. but it might happen. That means they might get some results against these games. Marco coming Silva up. was the breath of fresh air, wasn't he? He was meant to be this guy. Ronald Koeman was the breath of fresh air. The they need reason, to live in the stadium. The only there. reason they're hanging on to Marco Silva is they made such mugs of themselves by having to virtually break all the league rules to get him out of Watford, and incidentally. He's a disgrace too, showing his ankle to other teams. You barely arrived at Watford. Manage the team you've got in Do front of you. Do we see no promise in Everton? I see promise in this Everton side. I think there are a couple of players short, and I think Marco Silva but should no, be given a year. West Ham no, 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 what else are they going to do? No, they've got loads of, they've got lots of good players. They haven't connected. He hasn't kept the same team all the time. So you're saying a couple of players? It's like coming out and saying, "Oh, we're They're one, four points off six. West Ham right now. West Ham are one, are one player away from being top of the league. If yeah, the goalkeeper. Get, or, sorry, two. They don't fight. <laughs> <laughs> and the backup goalkeeper. <laughs> All right. I, I'm, I'm, st- I'm still thinking Everton were pretty poor. But, Tom, I'm happy to, to hear an alternate version of the worst performance of the week. Now, the thing is with this, weirdly, is that the worst performance of the week isn't going to be in this category. Because we'll get to them later. Because they were atrocious. But the reason I want to pick this team out is because they were such a banker to win to have not won opens itself up to all sorts of questions. And that is Arsenal against Southampton. Now, this Southampton side famously lost 9-0 to Leicester City. They went to City a couple of times after that and lost both of those games. The key thing with them is that they don't create chances in games. They're not very good going forward. They've got no idea what they're doing in front of goal. Against Arsenal in this game, they created 21 chances. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, six are on target. There is issues there. But Southampton battered Arsenal. They were the better side for so much of this game and should have won comfortably. And and Arsenal somehow nicked a point. I only disagree with your your intro to that. Um, I am a blue and white fish who swims in a red ocean. Everyone I know supports Arsenal. Everyone I love supports Arsenal. Not one of them thought they were going to win that game. They knew it was going to be a draw before it started. Outsiders thought it, I suppose. People like us who look at Arsenal Southampton, one of the worst teams in the league, Arsenal at home, it's going to be 3 or 4 nil. We all kind of thought it. The Arsenal fans that I knew all told me we'll draw this game. They never lose at home. They never lose at home. Let's get it right. Um, But they knew it was going to be yet another draw. But they they must have tried three formations in the game. Pepe comes on for Chambers at half-time. Nicolas Pepe who can't play if the ball is rolling. Like, he's great when it's still, but when it rolls, he's totally finished. Great at Penalty is great at free kicks. Can't run with the ball. It's, it's bizarre. Can't trap it. Can't shoot. But it's, Paul, it's sure you've played in teams. Once the manager changed it three or four times in a game, one a time in ten, it's because he's a tactical genius. Nine times out of ten, it's because he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, I think we can say that. But then I'm quite lucky. The managers are. Yeah, that hasn't happened to me many no. times. But I do look at Arsenal, and every time I see. The big Greek fella out there, Socrates. Socrates. So I was going to call him Zorba. Yeah, I was going to. He is horrendous. Someone He's, throw your plate against the wall quickly. Yeah, he is horrendous. I'm sorry. When you got him in the back, three of those, please. You have, you're ready. You have got a massive, massive problem. 
and went like Pepe. Oh. I feel sorry, seventy odd million, no. and over and there's a payment plan with him as well. There was better off going to Littlewoods and paying twenty twenty nine <laughs> pence a week for him. Littlewoods, so I want to go back in time. Might oh, as well go Walrus on the way home. Um, <laughs> one final thing on Arsenal. I did want to mention this. I think it was really interesting. Jeremy found this earlier on. Cesc Fabregas was appointed captain of Arsenal eleven years ago this weekend. So this Sunday was the day of when he was appointed captain. Um, was he a good captain? There's a debate to be had there. Have they had a good captain in that entire time? And to go back to one who was a good captain, Tony Adams. I love this from Tony Adams, seeing this on TV this week. He's everywhere at the moment, Tony Adams, with his lovely, lovely yeah. suits. And he said uh, this week on television, um, I can put a team together more organised than that. Tony, there is literally no evidence no. that you could do no, that. No, not at all. So no. I don't know what to say about Arsenal at this point. Don't give it to Tony Adams, I think. Right, um, Manchester United, they were poor, but got a point. Uh, Arsenal, they were poor, but got a point. Everton, they were very good, but got beat by the bottom team in the league. <laughs> I still think that's the worst performance of the week. Yes. Yeah, all right. Ah, there we go. It's Everton. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Euros All Access podcast is proudly sponsored by Vauxhall. I just wanted to take a moment to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of the new Vauxhall Combo Electric. The Combo Electric is Vauxhall's new compact van that is made right here in Britain at their Ellesmere Port plant. Not only does the new van look fantastic and with a striking redesign, but by manufacturing the Combo Electric locally, Vauxhall is helping to support the British workforce. Local manufacturing also reduces the cost of going electric, making the transition accessible for more businesses. With an electric range of up to 205 miles on a single charge and one year's free public charging included, the new Combo Electric is ready to take on whatever you throw at it. Head online today and see for yourself. Search Vauxhall Electric Vans and prepare to lead the charge. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. So, edge of the penalty area, played in towards Lucas, it's 2-0. Flags up again, is it? It's given it. Goal's been given. Clive, that was absolutely sensational by Deli Ali on the touchline, right under the nose of Jose Mourinho. He fell over, he scooped the ball forward to allow Son to carry on down the left touchline. City on the attack. Mares goes past two players, sends it into the far corner with a lovely goal. Brilliant move. Wonderful finish as well from Riyad Mares. Now, after the snitchy, snarky bit of the show, the worst performance of the week, uh, we come on to the more uplifting moment when Paul um, Parker and myself, uh, Danny Kelly and Tom Rennie, pick our hero of the week. Um, Why don't you go first, Paul? Because I'm really interested in, in this one. Right. I'm going for this one because I really do believe in it because I was gutted when Manchester United allowed his player to go out and 
on loan to a club called Roma to go. They, you're having a bad time. You're rubbish at Manchester. Like, go and live in Italy. Go to Rome. Go and play in Serie yeah, A in yeah, the sunshine. Go, yeah, go, go and do that. Go somewhere nasty where you're going to eat rubbish foods, you know, rather than <laughs> stay in England and eat pork pies. The and, good stuff. Yeah. Chips. Don't do that. Go away. Someone's only got pork pies now. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> now it's really going to kick off. <laughs> and Melton Mowbray Lattice Top remains one of the absolute culinary delights, if I may say so. That's very right. nice. Can you talk about yeah. Chris Smalling? Yeah, um, yeah, Chris Smalling, without a shadow of a doubt. He got... He's got airlock Cornish pasty as well, hasn't yeah. he? So that's he quite got, nice. Can I carry on, please, Tom? Sorry. Yeah. He got persecuted by that man who's at Tottenham now. Yeah. Absolutely made... He was he was the made a scapegoat, and yet they Manchester United kept Phil Jones. Oh anyway, this man has gone away. The man of He's, a thousand faces yeah. per second. He has gone to Italy today, or it was today, wasn't it? This he, weekend, yeah, yeah. This weekend, I should say. He scored the first goal for Roma. He assisted Gianluca Mancini for one, and then he assisted Dzeko for another. So he's gone and assisted on two goals. He won more balls in the air as well in the game. And the most interceptions, and plus the best pass rate of 96%. That's a terrible player. He's gone to play in one of the best leagues in the world. He's having a ball. And if I was him, I wouldn't come back, and Manchester United should hang their heads in shame. I was amazed. I mean, you know, if given what they've got, you know, obviously, McGrath, they, they bring in, sorry, the, uh, the, the England centre half, Harry Maguire. So they've got to have some partners for him. You've got a very injury prone Eric Bailly. You've got Phil Jones, bless him. God bless You've him. You've got Rojo who is not a centre-half in my world. He's probably at best a left-back. Um, and they let Chris Smalling go. Phil Jones would make a wonderful widow twanky, wouldn't he? He's got that kind of look about him. I can imagine him coming Take out midway through Cinderella. Take away the tea and you're there, dude, yeah. <laughs> he reminds me a bit of... Um, he reminds me a little bit... I know this is a little bit... I'm going back in time, but he reminds me of a Jackie Palo, a, a wrestler. Because <laughs> That is going back in time, but I'm loving it. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, right, OK. Jackie, if, Mr TV Palo. I know, on, I know giant haystacks and... No, it's before all that. Oh, when, yeah, the golden was. age professional record. Kent Walton. He oh, no. throws himself to the floor, and all of a sudden, he just starts having like a melt down on the floor looking for a foul I'm saying to Phil Jones stay on your feet this was meant Defend. to be the nice bit by the way yeah. this is yeah, where we praise anyway, people all it boils down to they made a massive mistake the problem I think it boils down to no one wanted Phil Jones Roma wanted Chris Smalling hey Rome. Paul did you know that Chris Smalling is now a vegan and he puts his improvement in performance down to his new vegan lifestyle I used to put my ones down to kebabs <laughs> yeah so, Pre-vegan. Yeah. What you do after the game is your business. Oh, no, that, that was pre-game. Oh, here we I, go. I was in a pub um, not so long ago with my friend John, who is a, a vegan, and we, of course, when two men start talking about these things, you know, it comes a bit slurry. Very enjoyable conversation. And he was trying to give me all the benefits of being a vegan. Now, I'm not against it. I was, happy, I was just happy listening. He thought I was against it, and eventually I could see him sinking down into the bottom of his brain and possibly into the eighth pint that we'd had together. He said, and, and, and another thing, Danny... You see my shoes, they're vegan too. If we were in a plane crash on a desert island, I could eat my shoes and you couldn't. That's where we got to with veganism. With vegan cheese. That you can eat your shoes. Um, and if you're on a desert island, I said, John, I'll, I'll, I'll get another one, shall I? I'd we'll rather just... eat my toenails, I think. Back to the, the football. Shoes. Back to the football, Yeah, but I'd be I more worried about what I walk through in my vegan shoes if I'm going to go and eat <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, look, we're supposed to be... So Paul's hero of the week is Chris uh, Smalling. I'm very interested in yours because he also mm. is someone who's had a bad press in recent times. Yeah, there's a player who I think has the potential to be one of the best in world football. He is our version of Thomas Muller, and yet he hasn't been that guy for 18 months for whatever reason. Maybe it's because of his pal Potch, I don't know. But I think 
Jose Mourinho is going to have impact on lots of things at Tottenham, but there's one player that's going to improve. I don't think all the players will improve. There's one player who will, and that's a man who is set to be the master of beephousery over the next 18 months of football. He is a man that's going to learn the cold, calculating deceitfulness of being a Jose Mourinho player, and that's Deli Alley. I think Deli Alley is going to become a better player under Jose Mourinho, because you can see he has that natural underlying tendency to be horrid. And I think maybe Maurizio Pochettino has made him too nice. And Jose Mourinho, we know he's a nasty bit of work. We know that of Jose Mourinho. I think Deli Alli needs to be that player. He needs to be snarky, nasty. He needs to be that double-dealing player. I'm biased here because I've, I've always loved Deli from the moment he arrived uh, at White Hart Lane, but Paul, how do how I mean? And it wasn't that he had one good season, and then fell away like young players do. Yeah. He had three good seasons and then fell away. How do players just fall away from from being brilliant? He was brilliant. There's no other word for it. I think to could... I mean, I find I found it hard to stick up for the fellow the last eighteen months. Mm. I think sometimes you can talk and always talk about the hype, but I think he's forgotten what made him made him that player. All he used to virtually play on the line with Harry Kane hmm. and virtually a lot of the game he used to be in front of Harry Kane and that's what the other sorry that's the third thing I meant to say about what Mourinho did at Spurs the fullback stayed back they played a little bit longer and Kane and Ali interchanged 9 yeah. and 10 throughout the game it, didn't de- they? it so definitely we, helped didn't Mourinho it, saw the strength for that from years ago and he's virtually following the old game plan yeah. of Poch really that's what he's gone and done he's virtually just gone back to what they'd done before because all of a sudden you see the fullbacks not going for because they never used to do that well that before. was one of Pochettino's big problems wasn't it when he, when he had Danny Rose at his best and Kyle Walker you could do that, but when you've got Serge Aurier and when you've got Ben Davis, they're they're all right, you know what I mean. But that they're was not Serge's best players. game for Spurs, by the way. Great cross for Harry so Kane. Who? Yeah. Sorry, Serge Aurier. That was his he's best good. game. No, not because of his crosses, because he didn't give away any penalties yeah, at the other nice change. To be fair, West Ham didn't, didn't get forward, did no, they? No, no. But that's another player who can get even more horrible under Mourinho. Yeah. He's horrible already. He's going to be horrible, horrible. <laughs> and Deli Ali as well. What about that skill? Leading into oh. was it the second for Tottenham where he's falling over on the sideline well, right in front on of his ass, wasn't he? He's on his backside. It's the best backside pass oh. we've seen maybe ever in the Premier League. Have you, can you think of a better one, Paul? Um, not in the Premier League. I can think of one in in a World Cup um, group game with Gary Lineker. That was great, but that was less well. playing football and more painting the white lines brown, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. To be honest, really. Yeah. he must he must have some kind of footwear on the cheeks of his bottom. <laughs> have done something like that. The dimpled backside of Deli Alley strikes again. I thought it was fantastic. I thought he had his best game in a long, long time. And I'll tell you this as well. Frank Lampard, uh, he became a better player under Jose Mourinho because he made him horrid. Right, he was a fantastic no, player. No, no, no. But he made him. He made him. No, no, no. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you for why. He made. He gave him a nasty edge at Chelsea that he never had when he was a young man at West Ham. He had this. No, let me finish my point. He gave it, and I'll tell you for why this is right. Because you're shaking your heads, being wrong, and that's fine. Uh, but he made Frank Lampard the dead. You want to stand he here and, in our wrongness, don't and you? I but think, we won't. And I'll tell you what. I've seen him walk off at West Ham, and I'll tell you what. He wasn't a nice guy then. Let me tell you. And he, no, but and, oh, the reason why he gets no chip at West Ham. In the big games, Frank Lampard became in a very positive way, a very nasty bit of working games. He became an assassin. I didn't see those games. And I'll tell you what as well, well, you should watch football more, mate. But I'll tell you what with Frank Lampard, his average in his career, scoring goals, fair enough, a great player, 600 plus games, his average for goals is 0.29 a game. Delhi Alley's is 0.31. So there you go. Yes, I'm just, just, and your bias about a player who deserted West Ham and stuck two fingers up to them is 9.8. 
In a very point eight. I'm praising him for it. He lacked it at West Ham. He lost the puppy no, fat and became world class. I'll tell you what Jose Mourinho done. Mourinho done. He suddenly saw Frank. I'll tell you what, do me a favour. You've got good energy. You've got a desire to score goals. But be more nasty. No, no, he wasn't. Just go and link up and go and get in the box as often as possible. He'd come one of the best in Europe at doing it. Because he's That's not Steven he Gerrard. He, no. he wasn't as good a passer no, as that no. from midfield. No. So wasn't nasty get, enough. Get forward and get some goals. Um, I'm afraid my, my hero of the week uh, it pales into insignificant, I actually believe, um, in compared to uh, some of these people. But I like a player who, um, you know, of course he's getting paid probably best part 200 grand a week to sit on the bench and make an impact. But whenever whenever Manchester City play, decide they're going to give Riyad Mahrez a run out, and that's all it is, isn't it? He's going to have a little run out, Riyad Mahrez. Um, I love the fact that he nearly always responds. And again, they're in a close game against Chelsea, and I really did enjoy the game. I enjoyed Chelsea and Manchester City from a kind of connoisseur tactical point of view, and I enjoyed Manchester, City, Manchester United at Sheffield United because the game was nuts, and I really enjoyed that as well. But Riyad Mahrez, um, there are one-trick ponies, but if you've got the good trick, mm. and he seems to have inherited the Iron Robin trick from Iron um, as he's heading towards the end of his career, because every person, not just in the ground... Not just watching on television, but everyone in the world, children who've never seen professional football, were still saying, "Show him outside, show him the touch, show him the touchline." <laughs> but still, the defenders of Chelsea decide no. Let Riyad, Emerson, yeah. let Riyad Mahrez cut inside onto his left foot, yeah. and we'll see how it goes. Well, we know how it goes. There's only one ending there, um, but he does do it really well. And you know, in the game which was perhaps the biggest of the weekend in terms of the top of the Premier League, a Premier League, don't forget where the teams who are fifth and sixth have won four mm. out of thirteen matches. So a nutty Premier League, uh, as you say, the youthful Premier League. Yeah. Um, Riyad Mahrez's goal was was critical. The other great thing about Riyad Mahrez right now is he is living in the midst of the Premier League's latest and biggest wag war. And this is why it's worth bringing him up. Tell us about that. The partners of two Man City players have turned the air sky blue in recent weeks, uh, calling each other, you might need to beat this out, I don't know. One has called the other, I don't know what this is, a b- Yeah, very good. I don't know what a is. This is winger Leroy Sane's girlfriend Candice Brook uh, and He's Riyad Mahrez. The producer's writing that down. There was no other again. way to say it. If, if that was beeped out, do look it up online. It's fantastic. It's Riyad Mahrez's wife Rita and Sane's girlfriend Candice Brook. And they have been apparently texting each other. It's all leaked out that they hate each other and it's coming all public because Rita apparently enjoyed a night out with Deontay Wilder, uh, the heavyweight boxer oh. in recent times. And that is something that upset Candice because I'm she's sorry. a close pal of Wilder's fiance Telly Swift. And she branded Rita a real groupie. And you're eating something with your fat stomach, lol. <laughs> Rita replied, you, you look like an old boy. Take that wig off. Uh, hang on a second now. We, we've moved into a whole new stratosphere here. Loose women. I know we're big on the programme, not the praising, individuals. You know, the current crop of British heavyweights, and we've got, you know, Anthony, and he, can he get the title back? And you've, we, we've got, we're, 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 sorry, Deontay Wilder bestrides the globe like a colossus. Yeah. He's the man with the belt. Did you see his latest? The knockout punch. Have you oh. seen his latest outfit? He has got a white and gold. Soviet Navy Admiral's uniform. What? He has got a uniform with massive epaulets with gold fringes about a foot down off his shoulders and a big hat like Janet Jackson used to wear at the height of her powers. He looked like a chandelier. Yeah, and he's saying, he's saying to all our gypsy kings and our, you know, AJ's already saying, this is the world champion. This is what the world champion looks like. Look at that outfit. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah, now, yeah, that's a good a- look. 
And I think I he looks th- like an extra in Coming to America. I love I like his, that. I love his mask that he wears going into the ring, a bit like the rapper MF oh, Doom. Oh yeah, yeah. Really frightening. And then he's got that magnificent uniform. He is the king, Deontay. And uh, yeah, Tyson Fury. I mean, Tyson Fury's got that nice white and blue suit, but compared to look at Deontay. What a man. Yeah, but don't um, say that around Rita Mares, whatever you do. No, and, that's, and, the, and I think the revelation of the spat between the the espouses tells me that Riyadh's uh, golf Manchester City still makes him even more of a hero, but I'm happy to take the case for Deli Ali, who you want to turn into some kind of flick knife king of football. Yes, um, and Chris, I want to turn him into a greaser. Yeah, and Chris Smalling... Uh, who has been served a terrible injustice. Totally right. A terrible injustice. Well, he's pulled by Well, you two can fight this one. I don't think Riyad Mahrez has done enough, despite um, yeah. the lady wife. What do you think? I like, I, I like the I, casting vote. I, I like to. the idea that Chris Smalling's vegan lattice hair is impressing in, in Rome. That's fantastic. I do like that. <laughs> but if De- Deli Ali literally set up a goal on his backside this weekend, uh, he's got a win, hasn't he? A goal and two assists. Yeah. A goal and two assists. Passing accuracy, 96%. Yeah, yeah but Deli Ali wins that, right? Hang on. Tamori um, and uh, and uh, Zuma had 96% passing for Chelsea, two each other, while Manchester City... You won't did... let us lie, will you? You won't let it lie. Manchester City did their nails while those two passed the ball. <laughs> Can... Do you know what? You're 100% right. I'll be a hypocrite if I allow the 96% to make a difference because he could have been passing to his fellow centre-half. That's what so, yeah, go. You, you can have that But one. I That's do side. think the goal and two assists with all jurors... And you, you can bring... I'm biased. I want Delio to win. But bringing back to the table another time... Fine. I'm going to give it to Chris Small. Fair enough. Yeah. Made in, though, by Ali to Son. More danger. Son strikes it from Tottenham lead. Smashed a left footed shot right through the goalkeeper, Roberto. Hit with power, but I think the goalkeeper will have some questions to answer. Faster more than ever with all the players. Uh, we know that in the moment that we have a positive result, I think that the, the trust will return. Well, I love the fact that the hero of the week sounded like we were just slagging a load of people off. They were all villains in their own way. <laughs> I really enjoyed that part of it. Riyad Mahrez, he can never get, he never gets a game. Adeli Ali, he's been useless. Um, Chris Morton, he has been bunged out of his club. Those were our, our heroes. So, what are the villains going to be like? Um, I, I know there's going to be a conversation here um, about. I think we should save Paul's to last because it's going to have. There's going to be a discussion about fashion. And as there are three fashionistas sat around this mm. desk, four if you include our producer uh, free. there. Keep it free. I'll yeah. start um, with Gareth Bale. I mean, uh, no, nobody. <laughs> I, I, I love Gareth. I bow down to him as a footballer and a bloke by and large. Um, and I don't know whether the villain here is Gareth himself or Real Madrid and their humorlessness. In fact, I'm going to go for Real Madrid mm. and their lack of humour. For those of you who didn't see it, Wales qualified for the upcoming Euros. Well done to them. No point in being semi-finalists last time round if you don't continue to qualify for tournaments. And particularly, if you've got to inspire the youth in the country where they all want to play rugby union. Mm. So they do it. Now, Bale, who's been given all kinds of smacks by the, uh, the manager, supporters, even his fellow players at uh, Real Madrid recently... Hounded was, by the press. ...was handed a flag which read, as in a big banner and thing, it said... Wales, Golf, Madrid, in that order. And he very happily unfolded it in front of his celebrating teammates and held it up. Now, I thought 
that was a bit naughty. I thought, no, why would you give yourself that much grief? Except that I think about Courtois, who bowled into, into Real Madrid, already a worse goalkeeper than he used to be, immediately piled up with Ramos, which is how you make yourself popular in the dressing room. Yep. And then, as if Ramos was working him like a puppet, said, yeah, you see Gareth, he just seems more interested in golf. Well, that was Gareth's way of fighting back. And I think the villain here is a Real Madrid club who, unless you're one of the absolute insiders, and we saw it before when Raul ran the club, and now Ramos runs the club, and it doesn't matter you've got three Champions League medals. No, you have to be more like Sergio. And I thought they, 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 he was booed onto the pitch bail when he then turned out to be their best player. Uh, and I think the Real Madrid set up mentality and arrogance is the villain of the week because... Bale shouldn't have done what he did, but their reaction is ridiculous. They should have ignored it. They should have ignored it. They're a disgustingly arrogant club, Real Madrid. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these clubs are. There was a fan in the stands who had his own sign this weekend, which read, Rodrigo, Vinicius, Lucas, Bale. In that order, I'll have you know. But this this story this week has made me think a lot about Granit Xhaka at Arsenal as well. We're in an era now where fans, more than ever, I think can give it and can't take it. If I boo you as a player in the stands, I do feel that's my right. If the player then turns around to me and tells me to do one, I feel that's his right. What did Arsenal fans do? He should never play for this club again. What do Real Madrid fans do? Well, go and play golf then. We don't want you. No, you gave it to him. So why don't you give it back? And that's how it should be. One, one more thought about Real Madrid as well. I did have a, a smirk to myself when uh, I wasn't happy when Spurs sacked Pochettino. I wasn't happy when they appointed Mourinho. But football's full of mad things and you have to get on with it. But I did have a little smirk to myself about Tottenham's contract rebels. Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Ericsson, they all wanted to go to Real Madrid. How how lucky for them that Real Madrid is now coming to them, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> when Mourinho turns out, they were probably all thinking, oh my God, mm. oh my God, here he comes. Um, Tom, yeah. you're, you've got a double whammy of villains this week, one of which is tremendously familiar to listeners of the show, and the other less so. I have to talk about Roberto Jimenez. I have to talk about this guy, the single worst goalkeeper I have ever seen play football, a man who was at fault for all three goals for West Ham against Newcastle United, all three goals against Burnley, where he punched one in his own net. Manuel Pellegrini still picked him this weekend against Tottenham, where, as far as I'm concerned, two of those goals were savable. Son, it was a good shot. It was bad positioning. Harry Kane's header, I hadn't realised until I watched it back on the telly. It went through his hands. It went yeah. through his hands. He can't catch a cross. He couldn't catch a bus. The man's appalling. I mean, Google him. I, 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 I'm, I count Alvin Martin among my chums. I wouldn't mm. say he was a bosom buddy, but I've worked with him for many, many years here. And his son, David, is the third choice goalkeeper there he's had a long and distinguished career in the lower leagues of English football he's there now because you have to have a veteran yeah. English goalkeeper's third choice because it helps you with your squad numbers why? How bad is David Martin that he's not in the team? Well, most will know him from the FA Cup. Was it quarterfinal last year for Millwall against Brighton where a looped cross in the very last minute was going safely into the chest of the goalkeeper and he threw it into his own net, Roberto style. So whatever happens next week against Chelsea, he can only be as bad as Roberto. He simply could not be worse. And I want to tell you this. Google Roberto Jimenez. Everyone out there do it. Google Roberto Jimenez right now. What comes up are videos of him when he was playing for Olympiacos last season, season before, where I believe they were champions in Greece. His nickname at Olympiacos is The Wall. <laughs> Who built this wall? Not Donald the Trump. Us. What is this? <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. He is nicknamed the wall. Uh -huh. I, I've never seen anything so like is, this is guy. Is that because everything keeps bouncing off of him? 
<laughs> it doesn't and, get near enough for it and, to happen. Yeah. And also, those of us who follow European football, the, the whatever happens in Greek football, um, mm. you see, you know, a pinch of salt. I get a wheelbarrow of the finest sort you get. The, the results in Greece often no. bear very little re- resemblance to the actual matches. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I mean, when you've got the chairman in Greek clubs going onto the pitch strapped, you know, as we saw a couple of years ago, mm. that's about where we're going with that. Um, also, you want to have a word about encroachment? I, and I did I want to mention this. this. Yeah, I, I, I've got a lot of things today, but I do <laughs> need to get this off my chest because I thought Leicester were fantastic, by the way, against Brighton. Great win for them. Uh, I went second with that victory. Brilliant they were. However... The second goal they got, which killed the game, came from a retaken penalty. Now, this is absolutely right within the rules of the game. This should happen. However, the rule makes no sense, as many rules don't. So Jamie Vardy hits a penalty. It's saved by the goalkeeper. It breaks back out to James Madison, who scores. Now, as far as I'm concerned, Leicester had their chance to take that penalty. They missed that penalty, and any infringement that comes should have then resulted in a Brighton free kick. But the rule states... They retake it. I never understood. I'm so glad. I thought it might mad. just be uh, something that's been in my brain like a worm for 30, 40 years. I thought, am I the only person who thinks this? If the encroachment is a defender, retake the penalty. If it's one of your teammates, it's a kick out to the, to, to the attacking team, obviously. It's so obvious, this. I, I don't understand why it's not already a rule. Yeah, I know, but the problem is, it's, some, it's common sense. FIFA, UEFA don't work with common sense. No, no, they so don't. So that's the problem. But Arsene Wenger's there now. Surely everything it's, will yeah, change it's for gonna the be better. Fine. All he's got to do is eventually see something and he can yeah. change some of the rules. Yeah, that's right. The, the man with the least record for seeing refereeing errors of both of any kind is now mm. in charge of um, refereeing errors. It's brilliant, isn't it? Watching the minutiae of all things, the man that never saw anything. But, Paul, if Gareth Bale, Real Madrid, Roberto and Encroachment are all worthy... Worthy villains of the week. I think you've got the next one is probably coming off its long run up. Now, this is just an opinion, by the way. Well, that, sorry, that, that's that's the whole essence of yes. the whole program. Yeah. yeah, but it's not really digging anyone out as an individual or anything like like that. You're way. afraid it's, of him. Um, he's bigger than me. Uh, yeah. But the, the worst thing about it. Hang is on, Jeanette Cranky, you'd be afraid. <laughs> you'd be afraid of her then. Grew, I'm quite afraid of her. Actually, up, to be fair, I grew up, born in London, yeah. East London, but grew up in Raynham in Essex. Yeah. Barking now was Essex. Now they're giving it East London. Any crime, they call it East London. Yeah. And this person grew up in East London. Anybody who comes to London as a footballer or a football manager, you don't expect them to suddenly go around be, trying to be a pearly king or queen. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so when somebody goes to Birmingham and decides that he's going to go and watch a game of football and wants to dress like someone from Birmingham, there's a massive problem when he's a Londoner. He's gone native. Who are we talking about? We're talking about John Terry. JT? Or, or JT to his friends. Yeah. Why did he go... So John dre- Terry then. Why did he, <laughs> so why did he go dress looking like a Birmingham gangster? Peaky to, blinders. To, big scarf, big coat and a massive, great big... Over the top pancake on his head. Yeah, the flat what? cap. He had the flat cap yeah, on. He, he, you don't it, like the flat cap? No, I don't like it, and it's just ridiculous. He's meant to be an assistant manager of one of the biggest clubs in the country, Aston Villa, European. I European thought he cup champions. champions. Yeah, European. Cup Not in my champions. lifetime, though. Football league winners, and he dressed like that. I'm sorry. It does mean it does mean it didn't happen? I find this bizarre. You're the second person today to have a go at the flat cap. I heard Max Rushton saying that anyone. Under the age of sixty, wearing a flat cap on Talksport should be sent to prison earlier. Uh, and on you know, Sunday. Max and Ronnie's been next Home Secretary. It's incredible, isn't it's it? Weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's weird. It's just I don't understand. The flat cap is a good look. Well, if what you about go to fashion? The Earl of Wakefield everybody in wears East flat Hand, caps at the moment. Well, that's, that's the problem with it. 
Everyone's wearing it, so I tell you what, go out and find something different. Don't just go, oh, he's wearing one, I'm going to go and wear one. Do, do you ever sport a hat yourself? In, no, I in don't. In the depths of I, winter, I'm, no? I am, support, I am actually, at the moment, wearing a, a slap head. <laughs> yeah. And be honest, there's a lot of them about, but I can't control that. Underneath that's a massive yeah, afro, but, yeah? yeah? Used to be. I used to but love I, that afro I, I you had. I don't try and cover it up, it's there. But what about when you're cold? I I'll put a bobble out on. I, of course, am past the uh, the sixty mark, so I am allowed. You can wear one. I have a very very large green tweed Peaky Blinders style hat that makes me look like uh, either a retired pig farmer or, at best, a member of a very obscure Irish folk band from the nineteen seventies. I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with it indeed. But I'm inclined in in this array of miscreants and. And, and terrible, terrible people and behaviour. I'm entitled to give it to JT just because we can, surely. <laughs> anything, anything gives JT a, a, a swiftly up the backside, surely that's good. So you, you, all right, you've got Bale, you've got Roberto, you've got Encroachment. Who are you going for? You're not going to win, but... I'm sorry, but the man who can't catch and can't save, the worst goalkeeper in Premier League history that makes Massimo Taibi look competent, if he doesn't win this this week... Taibi only made one mistake in his one. whole Manchester United career, well, exactly. am I right? And yet he that's, is off the media. And yet he is often remembered as one of the worst goalkeepers in the league. This guy has let in eight goals individually, including an own goal in three games. If he doesn't win, I'm finished with this show. John Terry's the winner. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. I love that moment of silence. Bye, everybody. You have to think it through. What are they? What are they? It's a it's a cost benefit analysis of that decision, isn't it? Listen, thank you very very much, Tom. Particularly thank you. Last show, brilliant. I mean, really, really good. You've saved the best wine till last. Uh, Paul, <laughs> Paul, as always, a mixture of extraordinary opinions and moaning because you can't get them out. Thank you very, very much indeed. I'm Danny Kelly. This has been the Game Day um, Record Book Podcast. Download it, tell your friends about it, and more importantly, also download its little sister stroke brother, the appendix. It's fantastic and it's coming at you in the next couple of days. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that the Vauxhall ELCV range is the best-selling electric van range from Vauxhall, which is driving innovation in 2024 with its modern facelifted design and improved electric technology. Now, I know that the transition to an electric vehicle can sometimes feel daunting, but rest assured that when you choose Vauxhall, you're in the safest of hands. The ELCV range is designed to be as accessible as a diesel van with an electric range of 261 miles and with one year's free public charging included, you will find it cheaper to run too. If you're already thinking of making the leap to an electric vehicle, then consider this your official sign. Go online and search Vauxhall Electric Vans today. Vauxhall's best-selling electric van range, energising a better Britain. Terms and conditions apply. 't feels broken but how do we fix it Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers but we have found some people who do join me journalist Becca Hudson and me the former MP Ed Vasey for how I'd fix from the price of a pint to the housing crisis this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation and hear practical solutions from those in the know catch new episodes of Howard fix wherever you get your podcasts rebuilding Britain starts here <laughs>